Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Good morning, good morning, you friendly people. Well, good morning, everybody. Again, welcome to Genesis. Good to have you here this morning. This is... The season, okay? Advent is upon us. If you haven't noticed already through the things that are taking place, Brandon, how are you, man? Good to see you. Didn't mean to embarrass you, but. (laughs) Yep, nothing like feeling awkward. That's okay. I know, you know, at least you guys weren't in the front row like patients and them and then walked out. You think I didn't notice like, oh, you don't want to be close. Okay, I know. The spitting row right here. Because it is Advent, this is a time where we really, what is that? We don't know what it is, but it's something. I got this little drum beat going on behind me. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, back to the point. Advent is here, and it's a time where we focus on Christ and the coming of Christ. But there's something that happens to us. You know, we become aware, especially as we're following Jesus, that God is with us all the time. So the season doesn't change God's presence in our life or his availability to us. But sometimes what needs to change is our awareness, Sometimes it's the, the remembering of what we've gone through or the remembering of what he has done that helps us to connect to him in a deeper way. I noticed that one of the songs that we were singing, Ben here stood up and after talking with Ben earlier this morning, there were some things that he's been mindful of in his life and I could understand why he was standing up when he was standing up because it definitely related to him. At that moment. And so sometimes really what engages us in worship or what engages us in our relationship with God is awareness. And how often do we take time where we are still and we remember and we become aware or how much of our life, especially through this season, is busy? We're busy shopping, we're busy going to parties, we're busy doing things for the season and we start to lose 
the contact with why we are here in this season. And so what I wanted to do here before we start, or before I start, you're not really doing anything, you're sitting there. Um, before I start is I wanted to go through a little liturgy, a visual one, and I want you to read along with it, and I want it to be a, a prayer from your heart. I hope that it will help us to be aware, to pause and allow this morning to be a time where we enter into this season differently, not because God is in a different place, but because our hearts are. And so let's watch this together. It's a time where we are anticipating and looking for a promise that God has given. It's a time of anticipation, something that we are longing for and an assurance that it is coming and on its way. And the promise of God was something that the people of Israel were waiting for, and it's something that we now as followers of Christ are still longing for, a restoration where God restores all of things to himself. This morning, I'm going to be talking about laying cement, about PTSD and Stockholm Syndrome, and about altar calls. And then I'm going to have you guys participate in some things with us, okay? Everyone good with that? If you're not, I don't know what to tell you. You're kind of here. It'll be awkward if you get up and move right now. But anyway, when Christ began his ministry... He was fulfilling something that was spoken about. And we can read that in Luke chapter 4. If you've got a copy of the scriptures, you can open up to Luke chapter 4. And Jesus has gone now into the temple and he's opened the scroll to the prophet Isaiah and he finds a place in scripture and he reads this starting at verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me the proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did in Capernaum, do here in your own hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there are many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land and Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zephariah in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow 
And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to a brow of the hill which which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. We read this and you might be thinking, why are they so upset? What did he say that aggravated and what was going on that made it so uncomfortable that they would hear these words and then they would turn on him from saying, man, he's so gracious in the things he's saying. But what has happened here? And you see, when he gives these examples of the women and of the leper, and he says these were Syrians, these were people who were outcast and they didn't want to have anything to do with that. What he's really saying is, I am fulfilling what God is doing and God is reaching out beyond us and to the world that is outside our borders. And that was something that was unpleasant to them. It was uncomfortable to them. No, we are the promised people of God. We are the ones who, who God has spoken to. And so we want to be the ones who receive this and it's for us alone. And it was very exclusive in what they were doing. And when we read scriptures like this, it's common for us to side on the way that is the best. We want to side with Jesus. We want to side on the, the side that has the favorable position. And so we see this and we say, oh, why are they so upset? What's wrong with them? Or, or maybe in a similar instance, the woman who was caught in adultery and brought before Jesus naked. And, and we read that story and we go through that and all the people who are you know, going to stone her. And Jesus says, let's him who's without sin cast the first stone. And then he tells the woman, go and leave your life of sin. And, and oftentimes we are the ones who are saying, you know, you need to go and leave your life of sin. And we start associating ourselves with Jesus when really we have to see that we're the ones holding the stones that we're the ones who are being exclusive, that we are the ones who are not being inclusive. And here, Jesus says that he's come to bring freedom to the captive. He's come to liberate and bring us to a place where we have true freedom. But then we have to ask ourselves, what does freedom look like? What does liberation look like? look like. And again, Jesus gives us an example that might be different to what we would normally think. And it takes place in Matthew chapter 20, where two of the disciples have come to Jesus and have asked, actually they have their moms ask, which is always interesting. Mom, ask Jesus for us. Who can sit on the right and the left? And so they're arguing over who's going to have this position of authority in the kingdom of God. And Jesus comes to a place where he answers them. First, he says, are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And they say, oh, yeah, sure. They had no idea it was talking about the crucifixion and actually laying down their lives for this cause. And Jesus responds in verse 25. Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must 
be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. As Jesus calls them, he's calling them to a new way of thinking. He's calling them to a new way of greatness. You see, liberation in the mind of Christ is probably different than the idea that many people have or maybe even we have. And it would be a tragedy if we just saw ourselves always on Jesus' side without really taking inventory on what we believe and how we're living. To see if we really are becoming a servant of all or if we're wanting to be served. If we are trying to establish ourselves with no regard to others, if we are excluding others instead of including them, then really these stories are about us. And at Advent, it is a time to take stock and to say, okay, if he has come to set the captives free, am I or how am I still a captive? How am I still being held maybe with these attitudes of exclusion or trying to gain instead of trying to give. I often regret and I'm even disappointed with the things that I've done in the past. And then I start living in a way to help get rid of the regret in the future. And what I find is I'm actually not being present in what's happening right before me, but I'm worried about what's happened and I'm worried about how it's going to affect what's going to happen. And I start missing the moment. Years ago, when my kids were small, we had a a patch along the garage that was just dirt. and, And we used to take the trash cans from behind the garage out in front of the garage. And so I decided I was going to pour some cement and lay this kind of sidewalk there by the side of the garage so that I would have this, you know, pathway to take the trash cans there. And so One day, I just spent the whole day and then into the evening doing this, mostly in the evening. I thought, I'm going to get this done before it gets dark. And it got dark. And then I I carved, you know, the kids' names in the cement. You know, I put all of their names and I put my name and then I put the date that it was there. Because that's what you do, right? Cement. I would have had them come and put their hands in it. But knowing my kids, you don't don't do that. You don't invite my kids to wet cement. It's just not going to be a good thing. Years later, you know, I I came and I saw that, and especially when we started moving and uh, redoing our house and we had a room addition, we had to remove the cement, and so we broke it off. And then the guy who kind of broke it up left that chunk because it's got got your names. I don't know if you want to save that. And we saved up, you see. But what at one time was, yeah, this is what I did. This is when I put the names in, and this is where we were at this time what was once a, a monument to me now was something that reminded me of a time where I really didn't think things through because the date that was written in the cement was Christmas Day. And instead of being with my family on Christmas Day, I was pouring cement in my backyard to make a pathway for trash. And that piece of cement 
was like an anchor to my heart of how misguided I was just trying to get things done, trying to move things on. And there it is, all our names so proud right there in cement on Christmas when I should have been inside. See, the truth is it was probably easier laying cement than being with the kids inside. And I'm sure my wife said something to me or gave me a look or something, and I just didn't catch it. And sometimes that's what it's like where we start living worried about the past, thinking about the future, and missing the moment that's happening right now. Missing what God is wanting to do in our lives. And the opportunities that are there are lost. And we all have things that happen to us in life that that scar us, that hurt us, that impact us in some way. I, I read an account, it was in 2013, where there were three women who were locked up. They were taken captive and held hostage in Cleveland for over 10 years. You guys remember that story? It's like, oh my gosh, this is like criminal mind story, right? It's like, what's going on here? How could this happen? One of the ladies finally got out and ran out and escaped. And they actually had to pressure her to tell them who she really was because she had forgotten. It wasn't until she saw her picture on TV that she said, someone's still thinking about me. Someone still remembers me even after all these years. And that was the spark that said, if you get out of here, you can get out of the situation. One of the women actually had a child in this situation and was raising a child in this hostage situation. And you see, when you go through a traumatic situation like PTSD, you you are traumatized by the event where the event becomes the focus of your life. The event becomes what you think about and how you move is from that place. And it's similar with that Stockholm Syndrome where these ladies were taken captive. This became their life, and pretty soon they actually saw this as something that had good days in a captive situation. And you think, how can you have a good day when you've been kidnapped since you were just a young teenager and held captive? But what happens is our mind starts to live in that event, and that event becomes our norm. It becomes what is real to us. And it becomes the mark that we move from. We we start to identify with that place. And it becomes an opportunity for us to evaluate everything that happens around us. And what happens is we get lost in the trauma and that becomes our life. But it's a false life or it's a shadow life. You see, the true life is actually who you were before you were kidnapped It actually includes your time of being kidnapped in that captivity. And now it includes the time that you're liberated from that. You see, that's the truth. That's where you're living in. 
But oftentimes it's too difficult to grasp hold of that. So you just hold on to what you know. And it's going to take, they said, longer for these women to get over this than it was for them to actually be in it. Because of the trauma of being in there, they're going to have a hard time understanding and accepting all of what's happened and growing past it. And that's what happens when you are taken captive. You get locked into the wrong moment of time. You get held on by a situation that has marked you. And then you hear this idea of, well, you know, Christ has come to set you free. And you're like, this is great news. But you still kind of recline back to this old thing because it's familiar. It's what I know. It's where I've been. Or it starts to shape how you think, even though you are entering into this freedom that Jesus is saying he's going to bring to us. And we have a hard time sometimes getting past what has happened. Has anyone experienced that? Good for you others if you haven't. But it's hard sometimes. And being a follower of Jesus doesn't negate the problems that have happened. It doesn't stop the hurts that we've gone through. Sometimes the hardest transition is accepting things as they are, including what you've done. And that's something that we have to understand, that we have to own all of this. You see, freedom for us is seeing things as they are and standing naked before God without the need to self-comfort, to self-medicate, to self-preserve, to be in my own skin and to see the writing on the cement, as it were, and see what it really was, see the date as it really was, and accept the fact that, yeah, that was you, and that's what you did. You see, it, it sounds good in a story. A woman caught in adultery and forgiven by Jesus, that sounds good. But I know it was not comfortable for her to be standing there naked in front of everybody. And she heard she was forgiven, And then she had to own where she was and move her life on from there. And what I want for us is Advent to be a place where we are really set free, not from a false sense. Oh, yes, God has forgiven my sin. Okay, but how is that showing up in your life right now? How is it still maybe affecting you? What is the cement say that you have to deal with and recognize? And how do you get past that? See, I want to be set free, not just in general. I need to be set free every day. I need freedom, not just from a moment in the past, what I've done. I need freedom from my mind today. I need freedom from my worry. I, I need freedom from all these things. We, we, we tend to, to narrow salvation to this idea of an altar call. Oh yes, on December 20th, 19, whatever it is, I went forward and I accepted Jesus in my life. But the truth is, I have to accept Jesus and his will for my life every day. It wasn't a one-time occurrence. Salvation is something that should be occurring and reoccurring in our life. It wasn't a momentary event and time when this person 
said a prayer. It was a relationship that is being lived. And that's why Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is foolishness or folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. Notice the tense. We are being saved. It is something that is current and that is happening. It is the power of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed or being saved day by day. You see, what I need is a salvation that is daily. What I need is something that will go past the one event in my life and past a time where I said something to a place that includes it all. That a place that that covers me, that a a place that I can actually own who I am and own God's forgiveness there. And that has to be a daily thing. It has to move us from a place where we are blind to what God is doing continually in our lives. It's not a prayer we repeat. It's a relationship we live in. That's what it means when it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean get good enough to be acceptable to God. It means live in it. And you see, this Advent is calling us to do that. It's calling us to live in it. This Jesus who's come to set the captives free has called us to come and live as free people, which means serving, giving ourselves, even as he gave himself. It's calling us to live on God's standards and not just our own standard. It's calling us into a freedom that he gives that is real and not just something we live up to. Oftentimes, what I do is put on a a facade of what I want all of you to think. We all do that. I want you guys to know how spiritual I am. And then my wife steps in the room and it's all out the door. Right? She, she knows who I really am. And you see, what I want is to be who I really am. And I want Jesus to set me free from all the things that I pretend I am. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to break up and go to these different tables. By all means, go to the table with some people that you like. (laughs) But hopefully you like everybody. And crowd around. There's, I think, six chairs to a table. If you need more chairs, just grab a few and take them with you. And and why don't you do that right now? And then I'm going to guide you to some of the things that we are going to do just for a few more moments. There's a few more seats over here. There's a few over there. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And I want you guys to talk amongst yourselves about the first question. The first question I'm asking you is, what is your cry for freedom today? 
What is your cry for freedom today? What do you want freedom from? Now, you can be as descriptive and honest as you want to be. If you're struggling with something that's maybe personal and private, you don't have to give out all the information. You can say, I'm struggling with some bad habits. But if there's something that is coming to mind that you really, I want freedom from this. You know, I I want freedom from my self-image issues. I want freedom from my selfishness. I want freedom from my indifference. Whatever things might come to your mind, I want you to share what those things are with one another. Okay, this is opportunity for us to, again, grow in community an opportunity for us to actually put our finger on what is there within us. So go ahead and share those things with one another. Okay, I hope you guys have kind of gained an idea of what freedom might look like to some of the people, what things you want freedom for, your cry for freedom today. And what I want to do is, you know, at Christmas time, usually we make a list of the things that we want, or at least we were used to that as kids. Here's Santa, here's my list. But I'd like us to make a list of the things that we'd really like God to take away. I'd like Advent to be a a time where we kind of own the junk that's a part of us. And that piece of paper that's there, I'd like you to write down a list of those things. You don't have to put your name on it. If you want to, you can, but you don't have to put your name on it. But I I want you to write a list. God, I'd like you to take this junk from my life. You see, we're crying for freedom. We want things different, but understand that freedom comes with a cost, and it's going to cost us something to enjoy the freedoms that we're desiring And so list the things that you would like God to take away from you. It might be a circumstance. God, I want the pain of this relationship and their past hurt to be taken away. God, I want this addiction to be taken away. God, I want this, you know, uh, sickness to be taken away. I want you to write the things that you would like God to take out of your life. And when you've written those things down, I'd like you to put them in that tin that's in front of you and this is our Christmas request our Advent list God I'd like you to take away that anger towards this person what I hope we are doing is becoming more genuine you see Christ came to set us free but he came to set the true us free. Not the false self. Not the traumatic self. Not the self that's stuck in a situation. He came to take who we really are and set us free. For us to enjoy freedom, we have to see the areas where we are taken captive. Otherwise, they will maintain a hold on our lives. Even though you come to church, even though you said a prayer, that's why a lot of us know that we have these other struggles. And Christ is wanting to be a part of all those struggles. It's a nice squeak at the end of that sneeze. That's good.
Is everyone done? Would you close your eyes and pray with me? Lord, this Advent, we want to be aware of why you came. And that you came to set captives free. And Lord, we want to acknowledge our captivity. And Lord, we want salvation to be dynamic, alive, and at work within our lives. We don't want a religion that looks back to a date. We want to have a relationship that is active today. And so this cry for freedom that we have is why you've come. And this list of things that we want you to take away are part of the reasons we are still being captive. But it is why our faith is a resurrected faith. It's a faith that is in a living Christ. It is a faith that it is dynamic and powerful And we are today being saved. We are today working out that salvation. We are today acknowledging and aware that this is why you've come. And this is what you desire to do. And Lord Jesus, this is what we desire for you to do in us. So Lord, come Take these things. Come and restore us to yourself. And set us free, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together where you're at? And I hope that there is an awareness in your mind of why you have a reason to sing and praise the Lord. You know, sometimes music becomes just a a time that we have But may it be words that connect to your very soul. May this song that we're singing right now be an opportunity for you to express to God gratitude, thankfulness, worship. I guess gratitude and thankfulness are the same. But may it be an opportunity for you to give back to God, knowing that he has come to set you free. May you be aware of the God who has been searching to set you free. And may you be as willing to give to Him the things that are holding you down as He is willing to take them. And may you truly be set free. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.